the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Welcome to His Life Revealed with Pastor Todd Granger of His Life Fellowship in San Antonio, Texas. We're glad you've chosen to join us today. Our passion at His Life Ministries is to help believers know Him and show Him. So we keep it simple. It's just about Jesus. Our prayer is that the Holy Spirit will make His truth plain to you so you can walk in freedom and enjoy the life of union that God has designed for you to live. And now, here's Pastor Todd. How many of you have been married for over 10 years? How many of you have been married over 20 years? If you are married, you will discover, particularly over time, that marriage is an ongoing work. It's not something you can put on autopilot and then get on with your regular pursuits. A neglected marriage can be a slow death, right? Marriage requires a determination to be selfless, an unwavering faith, a dependence upon the supernatural love of God to sustain and keep that union healthy and strong. Otherwise, passion will wane with hormones and interest in maintaining the relationship will give way to selfish concern and daily demands. Your spouse will become a fixture in your world rather than the one you're excited to go through life with. Now, you don't have to work at getting there. All you got to do is do nothing, and you will come to this place. You may ask me, uh, Pastor, why the talk on marriage in the middle of our study on Hebrews? It's because the Hebrews, the book of Hebrews, is an attempt to restore a relationship that has become complacent and selfish. The Hebrews had made the old covenant their way of life for generations. It was no longer a foreshadowing for them. It was a routine. It was familiar. It was cultural. It was complacent. It was a lot of work and rules, but it was normal for them. It no longer excited him. They were not driven to God because of their love for him, but by the momentum of routine and culture and, of course, some fear. Christian Hebrews were now being drawn back into the culture of the Old Covenant because their faith had faded over time, and now they might be forced to suffer persecution because of their faith. In chapter 9, the author illustrated the need for sacrifice and why. We were told that a will or covenant required a death, that forgiveness required blood. And in verse 22, we read that without the shedding of blood, there can be no remission of sin. God demanded a sacrifice, a death. But to put away sin, it had to be a perfect sacrifice. 
The blood of animals could not put away sin. They could only cover the sinful behavior of the people. During the Passover, it was estimated that over 300,000 lamb were slain in one week. They shed a lot of blood, but they were unable to do away with the sin. And God could not be satisfied with their sacrifices. The veil remained intact. Now, the Old Covenant rituals and sacrifice represent the shadow and the work of Christ represents the reality. And the author continues with his comparison between the two. In our text today, we're going to look at the superior sacrifice of Christ. And most of you will already be familiar with much of what I'm fixing to cover. But I ask you to yield your mind to the Spirit of God, your soul. To the Spirit of God and let Him instruct you in this. Because there is wealth there. There is depth there. And you know what? God's not ashamed of what He did for you. He's very proud of the work that He completed in you and for you. And He wants you to know it. Oh, not just know about it, but to truly know it. To know it with depth, to know it with an intimate understanding, to treasure it. I can remember as kids, there were stories we liked to hear. There were stories we liked told to us, books we liked read to us. And we would beg people to tell the story, or we would beg people to read from the book, because we wanted to hear it. It actually was a pleasure to us. You shouldn't lose that for the Word of God. You should recognize that this is His story. This is the depth of God's love written out for you. We're going to be covering a good bit of ground. We're going to go to Hebrews chapter 10 today. And we'll be looking at verses 1 through 10. The one sacrifice of Christ is sufficient. We're going to read verses 1 through 10 of chapter 10. Would you stand with me while I read? For since the law has only a shadow, just a pale representation of the good things to come, not the very image of those things, it can never, by offering the same sacrifices continually, year after year, make perfect those who approach its altars. For if it were otherwise... Would not these sacrifices stop being offered? For the worshipers, having once for all time been cleansed, would no longer have a consciousness of sin. But as it is, these continual sacrifices bring a fresh reminder of sins to be atoned for year after year. For it is impossible for the blood of bulls and goats to take away sin. Therefore, when Christ entered into the world, he says, Sacrifice and offering you have not desired, but instead you have prepared a body for me to offer. In burnt offerings and sacrifices for sins, you have taken no delight. Then I said, Behold, I have come to do your will, O God, to fulfill what is written of me in the scroll of the book. After saying in the citation above, You have neither desired nor have you 
taken delight in sacrifices and offerings and in whole burnt offerings and sacrifices for sins, which are, burnt, which are offered according to the law. Then he said, Behold, I have come to do your will. And so he does away with the first covenant as a means of atoning for sin based on, the, on animal sacrifices so that he may inaugurate and establish the second covenant by means of obedience. And in accordance with this will of God, we who believe in the message of salvation have been sanctified. That is, set apart as holy for God and his purposes through the offering of the body of Jesus Christ, the Messiah, the Anointed One, once for all. May God bless the reading of his word. You may be seated. Now, as we go through Hebrews, there are three things to remember. There's the priesthood, the covenant, and the sacrifice. Now, None of these were final until Christ embodied all three. They were shadows to Christ's reality. All of them were final with Christ. That means they never need be repeated again. There can be no change in the priesthood because the Melchizedekian priesthood is an eternal priesthood. There can be no change in covenant because the new covenant replaced and fulfilled the old. There can be no new sacrifice because Christ's sacrifice was made once for all. Our salvation is secured in one unrepeatable sacrifice. Okay, so let's look in verse 1. For since the law has only a shadow, just a pale representation of the good things to come, not the very image of those things, it can never, by offering the same sacrifices continually, year after year, make perfect those who approach its altars. The old covenant was, as I said, only a shadow that was intended to give Israel a limited basis of relationship with God. It was to excite their love for him and remind them of their need for him. It was to cause them to look forward to a closer, more intimate relationship with their God. All the blessings and privileges that God intended for his people were pictured in the Old Testament sacrifices. It was not to institute a culture of ritual. It was not to institute a people who had no passion who had no depth of love, whose faith was limited to externals. It was not about that at all for God, but you can see it from the beginning, from Genesis to Revelation. You can see it in your own life. God is not interested in a distant relationship. God is not interested in a friend. God is interested in an intimate relationship that goes well beyond even that relationship that husbands and wives embrace. Can you describe your relationship with him in those terms? Colossians 2.17 says, Such things are only a shadow of what is to come. They have only symbolic value, but the substance... The reality of what is foreshadowed belongs to Christ. 
They couldn't see that. Paul writes that the reality, the ceremonies, and feast foreshadowing is in Christ. He is the fulfillment of all that God intends for his elect. The old covenant was a covenant of separation that could never bring man into the intimate union that God desired and man was created for. Look at that word shadow. It is the Greek word skia, and it means very dim shadow, a faint outline. The old covenant rituals and ceremony were forms without substance. It is elusive and hard to capture. Another word that is worth noting is the word perfect. It is the Greek word teleao, teleao. And it means to bring to completion. Now that's a powerful word for us. To bring to completion. That is to bring men into the fullness of his created purpose. The work of the old covenant sacrifices could never bring this about. Now, God intended that the old covenant, the practices of the old covenant, would keep man in tune to his God would turn man's focus away from the external to the internal, would be able to create in him an awareness that all things come from his hand, that their provision, their protection, the goodness of their lives, everything comes from God. And that they would be able to thank God and praise him wholeheartedly for all that he had given them. But they had created a dynamic of of fear, an economy of fear, that says, I want prosperity upon this earth, so therefore I must give the sacrifice, I must do the thing in order to enact that prosperity. Do you believe God wanted that economy with them? No. He wanted to bless them. It was his heart to bless him. Let's take it back to creation. Why do we even have grain? Why do we have blue skies instead of blackness, darkness? Why do we have a bright yellow sun instead of a cold gray one? Why is the grass green instead of brown? Here's the thing. God created the beauty of this earth in order that we might recognize his great love for us. You see, he didn't create this earth just for himself. He created it for his people, for his children. All that you see around, the love that you enjoy, the peace that you enjoy, the beauty and the wonder of the creation around you, the health, whatever degree you enjoy that, all of it is from Him because of His great love for you. And if you can grasp that, He'll take it one step further because then you see him as the basis for all of that. You see him as the giver of all of that and you begin to put down the things of this world and you embrace him. And as you embrace him, you're no longer worried about the color of the grass, the sky, or the sun, or what's going to happen next. You now hold in your embrace the object of your greatest love. And that object now makes all of the lesser things of life good. Just like Paul, you can say, it doesn't matter. It doesn't matter what I'm enduring. It doesn't matter what's coming against me. 
It doesn't matter that I don't have the house the chief priest lives in. It doesn't matter that I don't have the respect in the marketplace that the Pharisees have. It doesn't matter that I have to get out there and work with my own hands to make a living. These things do not matter to me. The bruises, the whelps, the hardships, the scars, none of these things are of any significance to me because they do not compare. They cannot possibly compare. But the children of Israel, put into the old covenant, have quickly left the heart of it behind and entered into passivity and ritualism and made it culture for themselves. So, the old covenant sacrifices could only cover. They could not redeem. They could only cover the sinful behavior of man and remind him of his need to deal with sin. It maintained the covenant and Israel's external relationship with God. To illustrate it in the southern vernacular, it was perfuming the pig. It was not creating a full-on relationship. They had no concept, no understanding of what a full-on relationship meant to God. They only had the shadow. It could not remove sin, it just covered it. For if it were otherwise, would not these sacrifices, verse 2, have stopped being offered? For the worshipers, for the worshipers, having once for all time being cleansed, would no longer have a consciousness of sin. Now the author here is referencing the Day of Atonement, which had to be repeated year after year. Then They had to return year after year because the sacrifice could only cover the fruit of their sin, not the root of their sin. So it could never assuage guilt. Men were still condemned in their nature. The word consciousness is the Greek word sunedesis, and it is a reference to soulish guilt, not spiritual guilt, but soulish guilt. The awareness of sinful behavior will cause guilt. Just like your body will make you aware of sickness or injury, and you will feel that, guilt will move into the soul when you sin. Now, it is not guilt before God for the believer. Don't let the accuser tell you that. That's not what it is. What you may be dealing with as a believer when you sin is a grieved spirit because your spirit is just as contrary to sin as God is. Do you know that? That's how God made you. And yes, you will be grieved when you sin, but don't let the enemy define that for you. However, guilt has a place for those who traffic in sinful behavior. So for Israel, guilt was a constant companion. If they had a fight with the wife on their way home from the temple, the law condemned them. If they colored the truth, the law condemned them. A rogue thought or attitude brought condemnation. They were hardly out of the temple parking lot when guilt came calling. But for the child of God, because of the efficacious sacrifice of Christ, therefore there is now no condemnation No guilty verdict, no punishment for those who are in Christ Jesus, who believe in him as personal Lord and Savior. So if the sacrifices have been effectual, then 
they would have stopped being offered and guilt could be dealt with in the light of the cross because or the sacrifice because the fear of judgment would be no more. Verses 3 and 4. But as it is, these continual sacrifices bring a fresh reminder of sin to be atoned for year after year. For it is impossible for the blood of bulls and goats to take away sin. The continuation of the sacrificial system is evidence that the sin of Israel needed a more permanent solution. They were in a system and a culture that kept their sin ever before them. There was no escaping their need for a sacrifice. They were never able to measure up. They were never able to get caught up before God because the blood of bulls and goats could not take away sin. Their system was external and never touched who they were. And I'll say this. If yours is an external relationship with God, you're constantly concerned with external issues like your behavior. And you will never ever feel intimate with him. They couldn't. Because they were more concerned about pleasing or appeasing God than letting him know how much they loved him. Than nurturing relationship with him. Than worshiping him in the fullness of all that he created them for. They were more concerned making sure they didn't curse them with a plague. That he didn't remove them from the covenant that he had made with them. So they kept the sacrifices in place. Hebrews 9.13 We've read this before. For if the sprinkling of ceremonially defiled persons with the blood of goats and bulls and ashes of a burnt heifer is sufficient for the cleansing of the body, how much more the sacrifice of Christ. Listen, child of God, the scripture tells us that there are really only two ways to live. By the Spirit, which is internal, and according to the flesh, which is external. And you can be condemned in the flesh. There is no external sacrifice because you were created to live by the Spirit, where there is no condemnation. Does that make sense? Oftentimes, when we interpret our relationship with God... By externals, we find ourselves in condemnation, don't we? But when we return to the truth of who God made us to be and his relationship with us according to Scripture, when we return to that truth, then it's not license for us to live to externals. It is license for us to embrace the fullness of his acceptance and love and walk in the liberty and freedom that he created us for. It's an internal relationship that bears fruit externally because now I can live externally in the freedom of my internal relationship with him. That's what he made you for. The old covenant sacrifices removed an outward defilement before God, but they could never change the inside. They could never affect a new birth. Verses 5 and 6. Therefore, when Christ enters into the world, he says, Sacrifice and offering you have not desired, but instead you have prepared a body for me to offer. 
In burnt offerings and sacrifices for sin, you have taken no delight. Now, one teacher describes these verses this way. He says, Christ is talking to the Father in the eternal, outside of time, before he had entered into the world. And he says, sacrifice and offering you have not desired, but instead you have prepared a body for me to offer. In burnt offerings and sacrifices for sin, you have taken no delight. Now, why didn't God have any delight in the system he created? Because it had become ritual, routine, simply parts of a culture. Only a very few would embrace the heart of what God sought to affect in the hearts of his people. They were raised in this. It was culture. It was void of faith and passion. And this is the basis for my opening remarks concerning marriage. Marriage is probably the best illustration for what God seeks to affect in the lives of men and in relationship with himself. The majority of us are Gentiles, so we have very little appreciation for Jewish rituals. However, we as believers face the same crisis of faith. We're not turning to a temple. We are turning to worldly customs worldly perspectives, embracing the false wisdom of man. In the modern church, the world is winning the culture war and enticing believers into a dispassionate, man-centered religion that is lived out of the soul rather than by the Spirit. Thank you for joining us for His Life Revealed with Pastor Todd Granger. This program is the radio ministry of His Life Fellowship in San Antonio, Texas. If you'd like to know more about us, visit us on the web at hislifeministries.org or on Facebook at His Life Fellowship. We would love to have you join us for worship. We meet on Saturdays at 5 p.m. at 1307 Blanco Woods at the corner of Blanco Road and Blanco Woods just inside Loop 1604. Also, if you would like to help support this ministry, you can send your tax-deductible donation to His Life Ministries, P.O. Box 1894, Bernie, Texas, 78006. Three-star general, Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal records of the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.